When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. There's more. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, for your word, the Bible, and we pray uh, that as we study this together now, that you would speak to us clearly, to our minds and hearts, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Life. Well, it's all full of ups and downs and highs and lows, isn't it? Uh, as a church here, we've had a couple of great highs. Uh, I reckon uh, we had that 24-7 prayer week just before Easter. Uh, and that was, a, that was a great time of being able to uh, pray for 100, well, with the clocks going forward, 167 hours uh, as a church. And then, uh, I don't know you, I just think our Easter weekend was just wonderful. Right from the Thursday evening, the Maundy Thursday communion through there. And uh, the number of us were gathering, and uh, uh, that was a great start. And the whole week, Easter weekend was uh, were just brilliant, I think. And uh, we thank God for that. And now here we are. Back to uh, ordinary every week Sunday services. Um, and it's just, you know, we've had the highs. Hopefully this isn't a low. But, uh, you know, there are, there are times, aren't there, when uh, life goes up and down and all the rest of it. But it's not just a church. It happens everywhere. Uh, the Winter Olympics, for instance, and the Paralympics a few weeks back now. And uh, just think, we're not going to see skiing the moguls. You know, when they just go and boom, 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 straight down this bumpy hill. We're not going to see that for another four years. And, uh, uh, and I mean, okay, we've got the Commonwealth Games now, so that's fun. But that'll be over. Is it next Sunday? It finishes a week's time and so on. Um, so there are highs and lows, aren't there? And, or you have a holiday of a lifetime, uh, and then you're back, and it's back to work tomorrow and so on. And we all experience those down-to-earth-with-a-bump kind of feelings in life. It's just one of those things. And this morning, Jesus and his disciples got exactly the same. Now, we are in a series. We're in a series of going through Matthew. We're going through to the end of Matthew chapter 18, then we're going to stop. We'll get there at the end of June. And today, we're looking at Matthew chapter 17 and verses 14 to 20. And uh, we've got Peter and James and John. They've just been up this mountain and had this wonderful experience up there with Jesus. Uh, they had seen Jesus transfigured before them. They'd seen him with Moses and Elijah. They'd seen Jesus' glory. Got a bit confused. 
but it was a wonderful time for them, a great spiritual high. And now they come back down the mountain and they're confronted immediately. Look at verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures, is suffering greatly, often falls into fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples. That's the ones who haven't gone up the mountain with Jesus. Uh, but they could not heal him. They come down to earth with a bump. And actually, there are two problems here, aren't there? Uh, there's the problem for the family, the problem for the family. And uh, literally, when you look at verse 15, it says, uh, Lord, have mercy. It says literally on the son. So it's most likely this, this is uh, this, this young guy here. He's the only son of this uh, of this family, of this man. And it looks like leprosy, doesn't it? You may have a version, the ESV, for instance. Some of us have the ESV version rather than the one in the church here. Uh, and, that, and it calls it leprosy. Or it may be perhaps he was mentally ill, seriously mentally ill. And it transpires that he had a demon. Not that mental illness or leprosy uh, are always caused by demons. Of course not. But uh, this lad had a spiritual problem and it had physical symptoms. And it's bad news, isn't it? Look at verse 15. He has seizures and is suffering great. He often falls into the fire or into the water. That's bad news for the family, isn't it? He's probably got the scars to show the burns from when he's fallen into, into various fires. It's just bad news all in all. In fact, there was a guy called Bishop Hall commenting on this. And he said this, Out of hell, there could not be greater misery than to have your own child suffer in this way. It's a huge and a horrible problem for the family. But it's not just that. It's also a huge and a horrible problem for the disciples, those ones who were left there when Jesus and Peter and James and John went up the mountain, as we, as you can see there just across the page in uh, the beginning of chapter 17. Because they had tried and they couldn't heal him. Look at verse 16. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. They were not able to do it. And they recognized that. That afterwards, the disciples came to Jesus, verse 19, in private. And they said, why couldn't we drive it out? And the emphasis there is on the we, as, as the way that Judith read it. Uh, why couldn't we do it? Now, you see, these disciples, they've had great experiences. If you just went back to Matthew chapter 10, for instance, Jesus sends uh, them out on a a big mission, and they heal the sick, and they raise the dead, and they cleanse leprosy, and they drive out demons, but they can't help this family. What's gone wrong? Why couldn't they do that? Why couldn't they do it anymore? And what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this? Well, we're going to learn that in everyday life, in the kind of the mess and the pain of everyday life, the normal stuff in life, we're going to learn about faith. We're going to learn about the Christian faith. And we're going to learn what it means to have faith and the difference that faith makes in the messiness and the ordinariness of going to work tomorrow morning. And the messiness and the ordinariness of three o'clock tomorrow morning when your little one is keeping you up and you're desperate to get back to bed. In the messiness and the ordinariness that you see when perhaps one of your children is making a mess of something in their lives. Or maybe in the mess and the ordinariness that you experienced when you visited the hospital this week. And we're going to see this as we look at this little passage in Matthew that what we all need 
is a small, helpless faith. Now, I think that's surprising. And I also think that's really encouraging because Jesus tells his disciples both then and now to all disciples of all time. Jesus says to us, uh, what you need is faith. But he's saying, look, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I wish I had your faith kind of thing, as if we need a great big humongous uh, weightlifter type faith and so on. And uh, But it's not like that. Jesus says you need a small, helpless faith. Just that. That's what we need. Oh, and by the way, uh, if you did just glance at the end of verse 20 there and you wondered where verse 21 went to, uh, I know some of you may well have seen that. Uh, it's, it's uh, um, I mean, it's there in Mark's account, but the earliest and the most reliable copies of Matthew's gospel don't include it. I won't go into all the details um, and all the technical arguments. Ask me at the door if you want them. Uh, but it's uh, most likely not in the original because Matthew wants to focus on what Jesus said about faith. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So what we all need is faith. Faith. Now, the thing is, you see, we're all people of faith. We're all people of faith. Every one of us. We can't help it. You get a train from Aldrington Station, and you're putting your faith in Southern that they're going to get you to Brighton or Worthing or wherever you're going. And uh, they're getting better at it, aren't they? That's good. Uh, this morning, you're, you're, you're showing faith. I think everyone here, apart from me, is sitting down. And uh, you're showing faith in your chair that it will hold together and not just leave you on the floor any moment now. Uh, we have faith in all sorts of things and all sorts of people. When you sit down, say, this afternoon and you pick up your TV remote and you press the button, you're actually showing faith in the button and in the TV remote that it's going to do what you want it to. Faith is trust. Faith is trust. Faith is, is a trust in God's ability. And the one thing about faith is where you place it in whom do you put your trust? Where do you put your trust? And it's a good question to ask right now. In what do I trust? In whom do I trust? So take a little example. Uh, on Friday, I'm due to have uh, an operation, hernia op. Not, not a big thing, but general anesthetic and so on. And, uh, uh, and if it happens, I, I, I'm not going to be up front next Sunday. And uh, now, the thing is, who am I trusting on Friday? Well, on the one hand, I will be trusting the surgeon and the anaesthetist and so on, that they'll do a good job and they'll not bump, pump in ten times the amount of anaesthetic, because that could be a problem. Um, but I'm also, I trust God, that actually he will help them and he will influence them and uh, it'll all be fine and they'll manage to sew the thing up and it'll stay together and so on. Um, if you're having a job interview tomorrow morning, who are you trusting if you say, you, for instance, you're driving to Manchester, uh, who are you trusting that you'll have a safe journey? If you've lost a loved one, who are you trusting in your sadness and that sense of loss and that hole in your life? Um, well, here we are, just one week after Easter and the resurrection, which is huge for our Christian faith, isn't it? And uh, one of the guys who writes commentaries said this, it, talking about our faith, rests foursquare on the fact that Jesus Christ has defeated death and anybody who can defeat death 
can defeat anything. So therefore, we want to say, we want to put our faith, our trust in Jesus, the one who has defeated death and therefore can defeat anything. The trouble was, you see, Peter and James and John, they come down the mountain uh, and they meet this desperate family and the disciples are unhel- unable to help. And what's the problem? Well, you, you see at the beginning of verse 17 there, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. He's kind of thinking it, saying it to himself, really. He's thinking out loud. And the generation is, is the people who were there, but actually in the Bible, when you see the word generation, it's probably referring to the generation of Christians. So we can apply that to ourselves and talk about uh, a faith which is an unbelieving and, or a generation which is an unbelieving and perverse generation. A generation which is, hasn't quite got that faith, that trust, a wrong attitude to God. Not the faith through which God delights to work. And when he says perverse, it means twisted in our thinking or twisted or distorted. But, you know, if you, you know, everyone, I imagine, has a J cloth. And when they arrive, they come in a nice packet and it's all square and so on. And then as you use it, it gets scrunched up, thrown up, dumped in the sink, and it gets smelly and so on. And this is a picture of, uh, uh, that's a bit like the, uh, the, what it means by perverse generation. It, it's just, it's not the way it was in the first place. And uh, those, uh, this includes the disciples who couldn't heal the boy, unbelieving and perverse, wrong thinking, putting their trust in the wrong place and therefore not having that faith that God, that Jesus wants them to have. Now, maybe those disciples, those who weren't up the mountain with Jesus at the beginning of the chapter there, maybe those disciples thought, you know, this, this man brings his son and uh, maybe he fitted before them and so on. And maybe they thought, because of Matthew 10, maybe they thought, oh, we've done this before. This is not a problem. Or maybe they thought, this is all right. We just have to uh, trust the technique that we use in, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 10. Or maybe they thought uh, 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 something else. But the issue is they didn't have their faith in Jesus. They were trusting themselves in some way. It's very easy to do. It's very easy to do. Now, take uh, as an illustration, for instance, um, uh, you tell me I can preach an okay sermon. Now, I've been doing it for years. And if I think, and if I believe in my preparation, for instance, and if I believed as I was reading this through this morning, earlier on this morning, and, uh, and I was thinking, yeah, I can do this. I trust my experience. I trust uh, uh, some gifts and so on. Uh, it'd be very easy not to trust God. But what I need to do and what I have done this morning is cry out to God to help me preach and that he would speak and turn people's hearts to him. Because I can't do it. If there's going to be any spiritual benefit whatsoever from this 25 minutes or so now, it's going to be because God uses this. And I can't do that. I could manipulate you. I'm not going to do that. But I will uh, uh, do my best and trust and pray that God would work. That's what we need. That's what I need every single time I get up on my feet. To say, Lord, I can't do this. I entirely rely on you. And that's why pride, for instance, is such an issue for Christians. The, yeah, I can do this. No. You know, uh, yeah, I can nail the interview tomorrow. Or yeah, I can raise my kids all right. Or yeah, I can uh, uh, be a great husband and a great dad. No, you can't. 
You can't do any of that. Let's not be so arrogant about these things. We need to put our faith in God, in his son Jesus Christ, to help us with anything and everything we do each day. It's faith. It's faith in Jesus. And it's all that we need for everything, every day. So that's the first thing. We need faith. All you need is faith. But it's, let's explain it a little bit more. We want a helpless faith is the second thing. What's the biggest difference between a man and a woman? Now, I think actually you can tell when you go to the supermarket. So if you go to Sainsbury's to buy corn flour and they've moved it, why do they always move things that are in supermarkets? Anyway, they've moved it. And uh, you can almost guarantee that a woman will ask the first person she, she sees and then she will be taken to the corn flour and it will be in the trolley within about 30 seconds. Okay? Whereas if you're a man, I know I am one, then you march around the supermarket for 20 minutes at least and then you go, in, and then you go home without the corn flour saying, obviously Sainsbury's don't sell anymore just ask for help that's what we need to do and proud people don't ask for help they won't trust another and they'll never admit to being helpless and they'll never admit to being wrong but here in this little passage here there's a lot of people being helpless and admitting it it's great uh, George Muller, guy, great man of prayer from Bristol, said this. Uh, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory forgotten God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. So here we've got the dad. Jesus turns up and he's on his knees calling Jesus Lord in verse 15 there. That's being helpless and admitting it, isn't it, actually? Calling Jesus Lord. Have mercy on my son. His, uh, uh, his son is helpless son. He's afflicted beyond cure, so it seems. And the disciples have failed to heal him. And in verse 19, as we said, that we there in verse 19 is just emphatic. And Jesus, in verse 16, uh, is told by the dad that they had failed. And they admit it in verse 19. Helpless and admitting it. And when we're helpless and when we then recognize it and we admit it, then we can begin to make progress, can't we? And the dad admits he's helpless. Son gets healed instantly by the Lord Jesus. And the disciples admit they're helpless and they learn about faith. And 2,000 years later, we're learning because they admitted that they were helpless. And so much of our world seems to like this idea of having a can-do attitude. We say having a can-do attitude, it's something to be admired, something to be praised. Jesus, though, much prefers a can't-do attitude. Can't do this. I'm helpless. Jesus, please help me as I trust in you. Help us as we trust in you. But see, the trouble is that's often a last resort, isn't it? I remember years ago watching a film about uh, a young guy who was sailing around the world single-handed. Uh, and uh, he got into a huge storm. He was in all sorts of trouble. Uh, his boat was uh, breaking. The radio was broken. The steering was failing. The, the mast looked like it was about to break. The sails were being shredded. And he, does, he did everything in his own power to, in order to try and save himself. And then, as it looked like he was going to end up drowning, he just prayed last resort we're Christians 
We are helpless. We need to put our faith in Jesus and pray as our first resort. In the 18th century, there was quite a quite a trendy thing to do if you were of the landed gentry, to have your estate uh, and its grounds landscaped by a landscape gardener. And the most famous of them uh, was this guy. His name is Lancelot Brown. He was born in 1716 up in Northumberland. He died in 1783 in London, and he was responsible for about 100, well, over 170 uh, of the you know, country mansions, gardens, and parks, and, uh, and so on. Uh, and his name, well, he, was, he wasn't really known, generally speaking, or isn't known today, generally speaking, as Lancelot Brown. His name, of course, is Capability Brown, because of his ability not just to envision what this area could look like, but then to turn it into, you know, and and we've seen, we've seen, you see his work all over the place, don't you? You know, if you see a a country house with oak trees kind of around the place and so on, that's probably the work of uh, Capability Brown or one of his contemporaries. You know, I think I'd prefer to be known as Incapability Moon. I can't do it. I need help. I need Jesus to do his work. It's not up to me. I'm a zero. It's all up to him. It's so much better. I need and we need a helpless faith. And this is the starting point. And what we all need is a small, helpless faith. Now, Looking at the, when I saw that, that picture at the bottom, I thought it was an egg that had gone wrong. And then I realized it's actually a finger with a mustard seed on it. A small faith, just a small faith. We can all do that, can't we? Just a small faith. Um, the small faith, that little phrase, a small faith, is just here, actually, in the New Testament. And Jesus talks, look at verse 20. Uh, He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Just a small faith. When Jesus talks there about a small faith, he probably means a a poor quality. It probably means the poverty of their faith. And he says to them, look, you don't have to have a huge faith. Small's enough. Small is enough. And he talks about faith as small as a mustard seed, just on the end of the finger there at the bottom, the smallest known seed in the Middle East. And Jesus says, you have faith that's absolutely tiny, and it can move mountains. Now, that's a metaphor, okay? I've never heard of a Christian ever moving a mountain because of their faith. In fact, I've never heard of Jesus moving a mountain either. It's a picture. It's a metaphor. Mountains in those days were thought to be anchored deep beneath the earth. They were thought to be completely immovable because of that. So it's a picture. And Jesus is saying, small is big enough. Small is big enough. When it comes to your faith, small is big enough. Why? Because of where you put your faith. Because of who you put your faith in. And so he's saying, you need to put your faith in God's. And small is big enough. 
Small is big enough for amazing things to happen. There's no limit to what can happen when a person has faith. And the most significant and the most important and the most wonderful thing when anyone has some faith and they put it in the right place, that is in a dying and risen saviour called Jesus, is your eternity changes. And you start on your way to heaven. And you don't need to have a huge dollop of faith. Jesus is saying small enough is big enough. Small enough is enough. A small helpless faith. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, actually this stuff that these people here have been talking about and thinking about, actually, you know, I think I want to know more. And maybe I want to start following Jesus. Can I tell you, tell you this morning, and it's this, that faith the size of of a little tiny wee mustard seed is enough. And you could tell Jesus this morning, before you leave this building, Lord Jesus, I want to put my small enough but big enough faith in you. I want to have a small helpless faith and I want to start today. And if that's you this morning, you could say that to him just maybe in the quiet at the end of the sermon this morning. Lord Jesus, I want to put a small helpless faith in you. Please help me to do that. So put our faith in God. Put our faith in God. That's what we want to do. I long for God to move here and do wonderful and extraordinary things here. Eternally miraculous things here in this church. I long for God to shock us with many amazing breakthroughs and wonderful things in people's lives. We can't do it. That is completely impossible. But will you ask God to give you a small, helpless faith? It's what we all need.